0: I think as a whole, I felt it was just incredibly liberating to not be beholden to the laws of rock that many men are beholden to. (laughs) I liked making up my own rules and continue to like making up my own rules and... You know, it's funny though. Like, there's like little things where, and I'm sure like a lot of women and bands might relate to this, where like you're doing sound check on a stage and you can't really hear yourself too well, <laughs> you know. And it feels like weird. It feels like asking, you know, to hear yourself louder. They're just like rolling their eyes, and being like, "Oh God, really? Come on!" Like, you know, I got this. Like, blah blah. blah you know, where they don't do that with like when the dudes ask for things, you know. You know, there's all these like, for lack of a better word, like microaggressions like that as a woman. That I think it's worth noting that it's actually a thing. Don't worry, you're not going crazy.
1: That was Karen O. And this is Shiros, a podcast with a mission to turn up the volume of women's voices in music across genres and generations. I'm Carmel Holt, and what you're about to hear is a previously aired interview from my syndicated public radio show, She Rose Radio. She Rose is a deep dive into the experiences and perspectives of women and gender expansive folks in a still overwhelmingly male-dominated music industry. It's a space where we discuss the challenges and triumphs how far we've come, and how far we still have to go. Telling our stories is the first step to making music a better space for everyone. Karen Orzolik was born in 1978 in South Korea to a Korean mother and a Polish-American father. Their family moved to the States just before Karen turned two to New Jersey. And 20 miles away and 20 years later, in the city that she went to as a teenager to see as many live shows as she could, Karen co-founded a band of her own, The Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs was formed in 2000 in New York City with guitarist Nick Zinner and drummer Brian Chase. Their self-titled debut EP came out in 2001, and their full-length debut, Fever to Tell, arrived in 2003 to critical acclaim. It was nominated for a Grammy, and it's become widely regarded as one of the best of the decade, if not of all time. Show Your Bones followed in 2006. It was also Grammy nominated, and in 2009, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs continued their streak with their third, Grammy-nominated album, It's Blitz. That same year, Karen O wrote her first motion picture soundtrack for Where the Wild Things Are, receiving a Grammy nom for the song All Is Love. And In 2013, the fourth *Yeah Yeah yeah's album, Mosquito, came out, and the Moon Song, written for the Spike Jones film Her, earned Karen her first Oscar nomination. Later that year, Karen released her solo debut, Crush Songs, and in 2015, she had another milestone first, giving birth to to her son. Since then, along with the deluxe reissue of Fever to Tell in 2017, Karen O oh put out the critically hailed album Lux Prima, a collaboration with Danger Mouse, which also earned a Grammy nod. And now, at long last, the Yaya yeah Yas yeah are back with their highly anticipated fifth full length album, Cool It Down, as Fever to Tell nears its 20th anniversary in April of 2023. It's a thrill to welcome Karen O oh as this week's Shiro in the spotlight. Karen O, welcome to Shiro's Radio. Thank you so much
0: for doing this. Thank you, Carmel, for having me.
1: (laughs) Talk about a Shiro. I'm so excited to have you here and congratulations on the new album, Cool It Down. Thanks. Thanks so much. Pretty stoked on this one. (laughs) Well, and it's funny because I'm sure there's a lot of like, oh, so it's been nine years, Mm -hmm, but mm You've definitely kept busy. It hasn't felt like you've been gone for that long because we got Lux Prima just a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to us about what it's like to get the band back together.
0: Yeah. You know, I appreciate that it doesn't feel like that long. (laughs) Yeah. Nine years is a longer stretch. But Yeah Yeahs had been doing shows pretty like regularly, maybe a handful a year, you know, before the pandemic, and re-released Fever to Tell. This like pretty awesome box set, and we were doing shows behind that, and it was all feeling really good, you know. There's like so little pressure when you don't have any record to do shows, so like so you just really enjoy them. You're like, oh, back catalog, this is fun. But I think towards the end of 2019 was was our last shows before working on the record, and it did start feeling to me like yeah, you know, I think it might be time <laughs> to explore making some new material because it just adds like a whole new fresh blood and life to what you're doing. And I think the boys really were kind of just waiting on me for the most part. And yeah, I just wasn't quite ready <laughs> until I was ready. I think that, you know, like a lot of life had happened for all three of us in the entire world, you know, and when the urge came in, in like sort of early 2021, it felt like a strangely, like throwback to like the end of world times of like 2001, you know, shortly before we put our other record out. And it was like, yeah, it feels like, yeah, yeah has kind of answered the call <laughs> for me, at least in incredibly turbulent times. And it's just something that I know has been like a salve for me. And so it kind of made sense that like there is all of a sudden this urgency to write music. And not only that, that like, it just came, you know, gushing out of us. Like it was like the fastest record we've ever written. <laughs> so, wow.
1: Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I was looking at your chronology and I was like, oh yeah, that first EP, 2001, it was just the anniversary Mm -hmm. of that last year. Lots of anniversaries coming up actually. And Fever to Tell next year Mm -hmm. will be the 20th anniversary of that. Is it going to
0: be 20? Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, before you so know this is, yeah. yeah. Before you know it. Yeah, before you know it,
1: it's going to be all grown up and ready to drink. Um, talking before about yeah. that time when you and Nick first got together to write the songs for your first EP, mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, Yes. And it sounded like after you, speaking of drinking, after you got a <laughs> few brass monkeys down, it did kind of happen that quickly. Talk to us about how that has shifted over the years, what things have stayed the same, what things are different now in that process. How did you get back there?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, you know, when you start band, if you're lucky, it feels like gold, you know, like <laughs> i starts flooding out of you. And that's kind of like what it felt like for the, you know, being the Yaya's. Yeah, Actually, Nick had been in bands for like at least seven years prior to the Yeah, Yeahs. Yeah, yeahs was my first band. So he really knew the difference that what we were doing just like seemed oddly kind of special and very well-timed, fortuitous time, fortuitous place in New York City to be doing it and stuff. I think like, you know, when you start a band, there's like so much brilliant, you know, naivete, you know, that goes into it. And especially when you're in your early twenties and stuff, it's just like... I felt like whatever I was tuning into just came pretty effortlessly and it was you know, like an incredibly thrilling experience getting the New York audience and then the world audience like quite quickly after that, paying attention to what you're doing. It was also very disorienting as well. And I think that the records like following Fear to Tell was like, yeah, it was like kind of the hero's journey for me. The Shiro's the journey. The Shiro's journey. The Shiro's, yeah. journey. The Shiro's <laughs> journey. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I just had this gut feeling that we needed to not sound the same that what happened after that record as much as we had built this audience and you know this fan base around a very particular sound which is sort of like i don't know like i mean i think like i've always considered us more like art rock than garage rock but you know it fell into that pocket of the new york garage rock and you know the early aughts and so after that i was just like man you know like i don't know what this next record was going to be like for show your bones but i know it needs to just be totally different you know a lot of people know that like it almost ended us that second record. The sophomore attempt, a lot of people think it's cursed, you know? <laughs> it's like it is really hard to make the second record. But yeah, I was pushing the band out of its comfort zone to just explore other pastures and it was incredibly painful, I think, for the band members and me to like make that leap of faith and go different places. And then once we did do that, even though it was a very difficult one to record, it kind of like set the tone for like the rest of our career as far as our fan base learned to respect and expect that whatever record that we were going to put out, not really know what to expect. You know, I mean, it's going to sound like, yeah, yeah, as if Nick and I are writing the songs, but we didn't paint ourselves into a corner of a very specific sound, which we could have done. And, you know, I think some bands of, of, of our time did do that. So yeah, so it was bold and also quite perilous, <laughs> just trying to switch it up and be very committed to that over the years.
1: Yeah. And to continue to take risks. Yes. And that's always the scarier way. You know, you could stay with what's comfortable or you could continue to push. And and when you push, you know, there's always the risk of failure. And Mm -hmm. I want to give extra props to you as an artist fronting a band of dudes and (laughs) in a space that's mostly still very male dominated, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that you did continue to push those boundaries because it's even harder, <laughs> I it will is. say. It's even harder. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think so. And yeah, and I think that it's an interesting thing because as like you know, a woman in rock, I was like very much put on a pedestal. You know, like to a certain degree, and you know, it was like a magnet for press, and they really featured me and really wanted to like showcase what I was doing. But at the same time, it felt like. They weren't taking me as seriously as my male colleagues, you know, so like as like a songwriter, for instance, or as an artist, they were definitely focusing on the spectacle and, you know, what I was wearing and the fact that I spent beer on myself, this sexuality aspect of it and stuff like that. But as far as just like you know, taking the other stuff like more seriously, it's like it was just not accepted in the same level as my colleagues. in and it is kind of interesting. And I'm buddies with all these bands and they're incredible, but I still feel like there's a little ways to go for like the rock audiences fully embrace a female fronted band because you'll notice that all of our colleagues are headlining a lot of these festivals and we're still like sort of runner up, you know, to like headlining though, like, you know, we got the songs and the live performance to headline those shows and stuff. So, you know, it still feels like it's evolving, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> hasn't gotten there quite yet. I try not to, it feels like, is this like my ego, like bugging me about this? Or is this just like a thing that's just like that? It's funny when you feel so solitary in doing something, you question, it's like, am I crazy? Or like, you know, <laughs> am I crazy yeah. or is this like actually something doesn't feel equal here?
1: You're not crazy. Okay. That's Thank why we're you. here. Thanks,
0: we've got Karen O
1: here and the new Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs album is out. It's called Cool It Down and we should get to a song. Why don't you pick one for us to start with today? Anything that you like from the new record? You're talking about Pushing Boundaries. Do you want um, to talk about a song that was Pushing yeah, Boundaries? Slowly, here? Let's start
0: with Spitting. Spitting off the edge of the world. Awesome. Yeah. the song is, was actually largely written by Dave Siddick who's kind of the fourth member of the Is. He used to be in TV on the radio and incredible producer, best friend. And he's like good buddies with Bowie and, and Trent Ress And I find it interesting who the people in my life gravitate towards. When you're gravitating towards like David Bowie, then, you know, that's think like speaking something, you know, and Bowie's like always asking him questions about his production. I mean, it just speaks a lot towards him being, yeah, like a visionary. And during the pandemic, he just went like rogue. Like some people really went rogue creatively. And Dave like one of the hardest working people that I know. 365 days a year, he's making music. And so he's like, yeah, here's some stuff that I've been working on. If there's anything that speaks to you. And the music for Spinning Off the Edge of the World came up. And to me, and sorry, this is like, (laughs) this is like a bit crude, but fucking like, it feels like when those synthesizers come in, it's like a fucking ice shelf, like crashing. It feels like so beyond big and really fresh, and also feel like the power of the yeah, is yeah. Like, we can meet it, you know? We can rise to that occasion. So it was like, first song coming out for the new record, to Make Us Flash. <laughs>
1: Spitting off the edge of the world is track one and was the first single from the new album. And it features perfume genius. Karen O. is here with us of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. The new album is called Cool It Down. And you're listening to Shiro's radio. The first word of the new record is cowards.
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) Calling out the cowards. (laughs) You know, we've all been through a lot. Certainly last two and a half years, but, you know, for sensitive people, maybe like four or five six years with the Trump stuff into pandemic and climate crisis, all this kind of stuff. And I look to the arts to sort of reflect back what I'm feeling because it makes me feel less alone and it makes me feel comforted that this is a collective experience, you know? And I just wasn't hearing that much that was really speaking to like, I don't know, just like how out of control things have been feeling and continue to feel and what that does on a soul level and on a heart level, how challenging that is. And I feel like writing music is where... I'm kind of operating from like my higher self. So if I feel like really distraught or like afraid or like or or down or, or anxious in my day to day life, when I start writing music, it feels like that's the deeper truth because it's very confrontational. It's very like heart driven it's very defiant and it's also uplifting. It's like transcendent, you know, to a certain degree. I know that if I can reach that space that lives inside of me, but it just gets kind of mucked up with like, you know, everything that mucks things up, you know, during the day and day-to-day living. So writing the music for this record and, and writing spitting felt like a dialogue with that part of who I am. And I think that exists in all human beings, which sometimes it's hard, to, you know, it's hard to be like, well, what is there to be optimistic about right now? But it's inside of us, it's in all of us. And we've enjoyed, you know, many artists like accessing that for us. Us, you know, over the years and just making us aware of it being inside of us. But so you also
1: said something interesting that you weren't hearing a lot of music coming back to you that was addressing some of these larger issues. Mm-hmm. And it's been really interesting because I started the show literally during the pandemic. Oh, right, okay. And yeah. one common theme has been music that was written during that time being extra vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That A lot of people felt like they were able to tap into some deeper stuff that they weren't able to before, didn't feel comfortable being that vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I was wondering whether any of that resonated with you.
0: Um, You know, it's funny because like I've always been comfortable with tapping into like this sort of extreme vulnerability in in myself. I've been like less comfortable and kind of going bigger than that and starting a song like cowards, you know, here's the sun, so bow your heads. You know, it's just like, it's like, you know, so I had to go like kind of meta, (laughs) mega meta, And that was like kind of outside of my comfort zone a little bit, but I was kind of ready for that to a certain degree. You know, I was just like, come on, baby, use me as your vessel, you know, channel it through me like I'm ready for you. (laughs) So let me be your instrument for that. I think the early part of the pandemic, obviously, I wasn't hearing that kind of stuff, but I think this year, 2022, what I'm hearing from artists, yeah, it's just like deeply soulful music and yeah, quite vulnerable stuff. And so I really appreciate that. And I, you know, relate to it much better than, you know, I think what was coming out before
1: that. So it's so funny when you were just saying that, I was like, oh, right. That makes so much sense that what I heard you saying was that oh. you've always been vulnerable and comfortable with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so your growing edge, your growth edge was going in this bigger way mm-hmm. of like calling things out and like leading. Yeah. You know, I want to yeah. say, I want to call it like being empowered to lead, Yeah, um, which I think comes with maturity.
0: <laughs> I think Could it does. Be? I'm like, question my maturity on a daily basis. But um, Question mark. Are we willing to own that? Uh, yeah, maybe. But yeah, no, I, th- I think what you're saying about leading. Yeah. It, I mean, that feels kind of vulnerable to me, you know, like, but I feel like I've been willing to do it more than ever now because you got to give back. You got to like, you know, be in service. Like you got to use what gifts you have to improve the world or people's lives around you, like how other people have done for you. So So, yeah, so stepping up to the plate, (laughs) stepping up to the plate. But, you know, I think one of my favorite songs on the record is called Blacktop. And I think after like this big expanse of time of being so forced into disconnection from people, even just physical disconnection, like, you know, that song feels to me like kind of like a radical intimacy and yeah it's not like our typical ballad or anything like that it's like you know kind of sexy <laughs> but also yeah just um when i was writing it i just like wanted it to feel like you could feel my breath on your ear when you're listening to it you know and the beat is like the pulse you know of the heart someone else's heart you know against yours.
1: Black Top. The new album by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs is called Cool It Down and they're first in nine years. Is that weird to hear when you say it's first in nine years?
0: It is weird because I like realized that there's like just like a whole generation that we probably <laughs> Oh, like my God. Over. Whoa. Yeah. You whoa. know, like one, like a whole decade of youth that probably had no idea that we were around. You know, we're well, missing. you know, that ties into what I was saying before
1: yeah. about leading. Yeah. And maybe we can use this as a segue into what I love to call the Shiro's heart of our conversation, okay. which is talking about specifically your experience from when you first started mm-hmm. out as the front woman of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs and basically taking that career to where it is now and into the future. What was your personal experience working in this male-dominated space?
0: Um, Yeah, you know, like, I think it was mixed bag of sorts, you know. <laughs> Incredibly rewarding, but also it had its challenges and I think that my personality, I'd say it's like semi-suited for what I do because actually I can't really imagine myself doing anything else. But, you know, like I really revel in irreverence and limitations even, you know, like I <laughs> like you know, some of the best shit is made under limitations and stuff like I think like the more choices you have and like, if the sky's the limit, then you can more easily get lost and lose your way. But I think it probably was like an asset in a way to have some extra limitations and as a woman rock, you know, because I think a lot of my experience just felt like sort of Singular in the sense that, of course, I had my sheroes and my idols that influenced me deeply. But, you know, when I was doing it, there wasn't really anybody else doing it like I was doing it, you know. And I really ran with that. Like I took the ball and ran with that. Like I was always very clear that it had to be on my terms and to trust my intuition and my gut, which I think I'd like to give women the credit of saying that they have fucking awesome intuition, much stronger than a lot of men. Yeah. And I never wavered from going with my gut and my intuition on things. And also like I... Just felt like for whatever reason, like performance and the stage was just like actually an incredibly safe and liberating space for me to do, you know, crazy shit that I would never do outside of that context and stuff. And yeah, I think that some of the challenges that I faced was, you know, in the studio, just I think the way that I write music is, and this, I had like kind of the incredible opportunity to work with Kim Deal, you know, from Breeders and and Pixies on music, which has yet to come out, even though it was written almost 20 years ago. (laughs) It's going to come to work, but like, please. Yeah. 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 Being in the studio with her, it was one of those moments where I was like, okay, I'm not crazy how I write music so differently from the guys in the band is like, I'm not fixating on my part. You know, I'm really seeing it as a big picture thing. Like what's best for the song, what's best for the storytelling of the entire arc of the whole record. And feels like less attached to like what I'm doing specifically and more like important, like how everything is fitting together as a whole. And I think that that's something that, that I'd come across would just be like the dudes in the band like might fixate more on their specific part and not understand why I wanted it to be different or something like taking it personally. And I understand that completely, you know, but when I was working with Kim, she worked really similarly, you know, she was like really selfless about her specific contribution, but like was very interested in everybody's and how that sort of worked as a whole for like the greater good. <laughs> so I don't know if that makes sense in any way, but like Yeah, it like, totally does. Um, so that was a light bulb moment for it you. It was a light you bulb like, moment. Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so she's thinking about it like that too. And maybe mm-hmm. that has something to do with being an intuitive woman and an artist. I think she's like one of the tops. She's the real deal. <laughs> Kim Deal is the fucking the real deal. deal. Yeah, she is the real yeah. deal. But yeah, and I think I was always doing a dance with it's really important. Anything that you do in life that you don't take it too seriously, you know? And I definitely have like a tongue in cheek approach to a lot of what I do. But I do like a little dance with also being this position as a woman of just in general being taken less seriously for what I do, being like, okay, well, I, I don't want to take it too seriously, but I also want to be taken more seriously than, you know, I'm being taken. So there was a bit of like that sort of conflict, you know, I think going on, you know, inside of me and stuff. But like, I think as a whole, I felt, yeah, it was just incredibly liberating to not be beholden to like the laws of rock that many men are beholden to. <laughs> I, I liked making up my own rules and still continue to like making up my own rules. And you know, it's like funny though. Like there's like little things like where like, and I'm sure like a lot of women and bands might relate to this where like you're doing sound check on a stage. And you can't really hear yourself too well. you know. And it feels like weird. It feels like asking, you know, to hear yourself louder. They're just like rolling their eyes and being like, oh God, really? Come on. Like, you know, I got this, like blah, blah, blah you know, where they don't do that with like when the dudes ask for things, you know, you know, there's all these like, you know, for lack of a better word, like microaggressions like that as a woman that like, I think it's worth like noting that it's actually a thing. Don't worry. You're not going crazy, you know? And that still happens to you. You're Karen yeah. O of the yeah, yeah, yes. And that still happens yeah. to you. No, I have, to, I have to like steal, wow. steal up and still be like, all right. Like, okay, I'm getting a little bit of that. No, like, this is like, you know, the same old story, but you got to speak out for yourself and ask for what you want, girlfriend, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. You know? And, you know, I think that also is it's part of the fun of it, but it's also you know, just coming up with like the look and like the wardrobe and what your hairstyle and what like makeup you want to do. It's like a huge part of it, like of the joy and the fun of it and, and helps me get into the character of it. But also feels like a pressure that the guys don't have so much to you, you know, being yeah. like with a new record, being like, yeah, what is going to be my look for this? And I've talked to Santi, you know, from Santi Gold about it. And, you know, it's a big responsibility, you know, and a big pressure. And sometimes I wonder if that pressure is just like that weird societal pressure that's, you know, like, you know, Absolutely, you know, like I gotta be like, yeah, like I, I can't just sleep on this. You know, I like really, there's like a lot of steps that I have to go into making this look good and making myself represent the way that I want to be represented. But you know, but there's like a lot more steps.
1: <laughs> yeah. Totally. And on top of that, I want to add to that and say that there's also the additional, as you age, there's yeah. the additional consideration of that, of like, yes. how do I navigate this mm-hmm. as a 40-something-year-old versus a 20-something-year-old? Yeah. There's no guidebook,
0: you know? There's no, no guidebook. Yeah. I was. I had the fortune of getting to hang with Patty Smith, and we did this private gig together. And so it was like two or three days of me just hanging with her. Like, we rehearsed together. Wow. And, you know, her son, Jackson was like actually a big yeah yes fan so she was like kind of endeared to me like immediately through jackson thank you jackson (laughs) and he's he's awesome he's the sweetest super cool but i remember being in the chateau my mom in her room they'd given her like the room with the grand piano because they lost her luggage last time (laughs) she was there (laughs) And I remember, and sorry if this is like disclosing too much, Patty, but I remember her being like, "Yeah, like you know, I just don't know. Like with my hair, do I, like grow out my roots, or do I just like keep dying? Like it's, you know, and she's like in her sixties at this point, you know, do I keep dying it brown? Like you know, she's like, she's like, there's just, like no one tells you, you know, like what are you supposed to do at my age? <laughs> and I was like, man, if she feels like that, like and she's Patty Smith, like you know, yeah, like it's it's like a funny thing, you know. There's just like there isn't really a guidebook, and you kind of have to just kind of figure it out like as you go along. And I think she's one of the most important artists and I think role models. She's like stayed so, 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 so much herself. She's so freaking charming and like, you know, like goofy. And she's like cracking jokes one minute and then like reciting poetry from like the greats, like the <laughs> the next moment. I mean, she's just like, I'm like, whoa, like, wow. She's like an incredible human being and spirit. And, you know, she totally stayed very much like, like 100% true to who she is across the board. Unfortunately, there's not like a whole lot of women rock that I can look up to her in the same way, you know. I think because there just there just aren't that many, you know, in general. So. Right, and that's why yeah. it's so it yeah. becomes even more important for.
1: And I, I'm 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 on about this, mm-hmm. listeners. Apologies yeah. if you're uh, someone that tunes in all the time yeah. and hears me on this soapbox, but yeah. I just always have to say it's so important for us to continue to keep the dot. Yeah, have yeah. long mm-hmm. careers. Mm-hmm. And do it and be there to represent and like have an arm extended behind us to bring the young, young ones with us. Because I'm also still hearing from young artists, you know, in indie rock or different genres, Mm -hmm. actually, that oh, I got to hurry up and get this career underway or whatever. Or there's a limited amount of time for me, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and what do I do about a family? You know, I have to have had that conversation, too. How do I do that? How do I do both? And then that gets annoying because it's like oh, why do we always have to talk about like, so how do you balance your
0: mm-hmm. motherhood in a career? Yeah. But it's a thing. It, it's it, you Yeah. Know? It's completely a thing. Yeah. It's very much a thing. Yeah. I mean, for one thing, Shirley Manson, you know, and this is why, again, just like, it's just important to have women that yes. can give you advice that's been through it. Cause I have found them along the way, but there was just less of them in the beginning, but Shirley was, I remember having a conversation with her and yeah, it was just like, you know, she told me pretty offhand, she's like, yeah, if, if you want a kid, you know, you got to like, you know, carve out the time for it, Karen, you know, it's something that you should prioritize and carve out the time because it's true. It's like when you're like in a band, you're like always in between some kind of cycle. It's either like you're writing the record you're like producing the record you're on tour with the record and then you have like maybe a little break but it's just like it just feels like you know before you know it you're just back in that cycle again and so I really had to make the space in my life to have my kid and start my family you know and yeah it's really changed the way that I was already kind of changing as far as just like my approach to touring and all this kind of stuff and also like studio the amount of time I spent in the studio you know it's gotten incredibly efficient now that I have a kid but yeah it is different than being a dad to a kid who's got their wife or their partner taking care of the kid at home or something or like you know they bring them along but like it's complicated child care and also the the connection bond the separation anxiety you have from like leaving your kid and stuff so it is different i think and it's challenging you know i think yeah i'm I'm still figuring it out my kid just turned seven still figuring it out so
1: yeah santi was like have you ever tried to google how do you tour with a kid (laughs) (laughs) just like i only got one one response (laughs) One Yeah, she said I only came up with one thing. I think she said it was like, how do you build your tour bus out? And she's like, "Um, I don't have that budget. So that didn't even apply to me. So, you know, she feels like really alone. I know that she's got you, which is great, but she doesn't have a whole lot of women to talk to about it. And I want to say, wait a second. Why is it us that has to adjust? Yeah. Doesn't the music business need to adjust yeah. to us? Yeah.
0: Yeah. A little? Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yes, like, Absolutely. They can start by letting you write off fucking childcare. You know, it's like, how yeah. are you supposed to work without childcare and like you can't fucking write it off as an expense? It's like, so, dude, it's not cool. <laughs> it's really not cool. I mean, like there's still like a ways to go. It's important to have the dialogue and just check how people do do it. You know, I mean, we yeah. just brought my kid on tour and during a pandemic, it was like a mini tour, but yeah, he got like super sick and then I got super sick. So, so I was like, wow, that was like two weeks and both of us went down in flames, you know, so it's complicated. It's, it's tough, you know, and there's ways to do it, I'm sure. But again, there hasn't been like a guidebook <laughs> you know? because it's just, it's something so you're that writing we're still, it. yeah, we're writing it as you're we go. are writing yeah, it now.
1: Yeah. Karen O's here with us on Shiro's Radio, the new yet. Yeah, yeah yeah's album is cool it down is this the first yeah yeah Yaz album since you've had a child in your life yes yes it is it's the first first okay yeah, that feels record. big do you want to point us to a song that we can go to here
0: Okay, let's see. Yeah. Why don't we go to Burning, which is another one of our singles. <laughs> so, this is one of my favorite songs, nice, actually. Awesome. It's on my mind. You know how like in Game of Thrones they keep saying like winter's coming? Like I feel like these days it's like summer is coming, right? Summer's become way more ominous because of these crazy heat waves and like wildfires. And it feels like the plant's kind of on fire, like we're burning down the house. But there's so many incredible songs with burning as the theme. <laughs> Maybe a little less related to topical worldly things, but it's also like just kind of a sexy theme to go with in general. So, you know, whether it's because, you know, everything's burning up around you or you're burning on the insides or the thought of someone's burning you up, I think it's kind of a timeless theme.
1: It's burning Cool It Down, the new Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's album. Karen O's here with us on Shiro's radio. We were talking before about aging. I almost hate saying a woman in music. I'm trying to get away from saying that, but I don't know how else to say it. Because we don't say men in music. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Where
0: do you think
1: that we have made some progress?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, what I've seen with, for instance, just like Asian American women in music, we're playing the Hollywood Bowl and we have Japanese breakfast and Linda Linda's opening up for us, which is just like unprecedented. There was like a couple bands when I was coming up, like Blonde Redhead and Chiba Mato that had Japanese women kicking ass in them and stuff like that. But it was extreme rarity <laughs> at the time. And then there's me. And, and now it's just like, I mean, I'd like to give a nod to Michelle's honor because her book, Crying at H-Mart, and how she's tied that in with her band, Japanese Breakfast, opened a Lot of Doors, and just awareness of Asian American women in music. Well, I love hearing that because yeah.
1: you were the one that kicked that door open for her.
0: Which is like obviously incredible and incredibly meaningful for me to hear that I like she says in the book that we made her want to buy a guitar, you know, so, which is fucking awesome. And that night is going to be, you know, incredibly special for me. It's really literally only in this last year or so that when we try and pick opening bands, now it's like, fucking like incredible you know, Asian Pacific American, young badass woman. Yeah, it just feels like the tide has been turning in that aspect of music, which is really life affirming for me to see that. So there's definitely progress there.
1: As we're wrapping up our time together, is there anything that we didn't get to talk about yet about this record that you feel like is important for us to know?
0: Yeah, I just think that one of the things about this record was that when in the pandemic and touring was not a possibility, what we've turned to so often during hard times is being able to commune and to indulge in the arts, like whether it be music or film, et cetera, et cetera. It's like we were fully deprived of that. And, you know, I think it really dawned on a lot of us for the first time, like, what if we don't get to do this, you know, anymore in a real way, you know, and I just never really thought about that before we were completely deprived of that. So the reunion of, like, getting to do that again, getting to write music with Nick and getting to record it with Nick and Brian, it just felt like a new lease on life to a certain degree. And, like, it was so celebratory, so joyous. Like, we had four or five days at Sonic Ranch where we've done the last couple records together. And that was, like, the only days where we were actually together because we did most of it remote. And every day we were on the verge of tears because we were so deeply grateful and moved that we got to do it again. And I think that, like... The joy and the celebration and the optimism is as deeply infused in this record. You know, there's some big shit out there and we're tackling that. We're looking at straight in the motherfucking eye. We're not backing down. We're not running away from our fears. You know, we're moving forward. And so there's some jams on this. (laughs) There's some shake your ass, you know, to this. Yeah, there's a couple bangers on this. Yeah. Let's close with a banger. Can we do please? Yeah, let's do please?
1: I want you to tell us about ESG <laughs> and this whole connection cuz this ties back <laughs> okay. to the beginning of our conversation right, right. way back in the day.
0: Yeah, back in the day. So, in the year 2000, the new millennium, <laughs> living in New York <laughs> City downtown, I picked up the reissue of ESG's Bronx Tale record at Kim's Music Store, my favorite music store, and it was just like on the cusp of writing music with the Yeah Yeahs and it just like broke me open, man. You know, it was like all attitude, you know, unapologetic attitude. It was like stripped down, just like from the moment starts you just like want to jump out of your seat and like shake your butt. It's just like oozing with fucking everything it is to be like a girl on the streets of New York City who like owns it. <laughs> so, I had to nod to one of the greats, the great master teachers of my life, ESG. You know I want to
1: Once again, thanks to Karen O. Thank you so much for being with us. This has been a blast to hang out with you today. Thanks so much
0: for having me. Thank you. Shiro's for life. Yes.
1: Many thanks once again to Karen O for being with us. The new Yaya yeah, Yaz yeah, album, Cool It Down, is out now on Secretly Canadian. She Rose is produced by me, is mixed and mastered by Kelly Drake. We get production assistance from Emma Philippos. Our original theme music is by Lucius. She Rose is also a nationally syndicated radio show. You can visit SheRosedRadio.com to find out more and support our work with Patreon or merch from the She Rose shop. Keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Carmel Holt or find us at She Rose Radio. And please consider leaving us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us grow and bring you more Shiros. Until next time, remember, music is our superpower. I'm Carmel Holt. Thanks for listening.